0: When we are in our most authentic self, which to me means authority over self, meaning I'm owning my ideas and how I see the world and my story, and when we show up being willing to reveal our story, that's when we have the most power to change the world. That's how I see everything.
1: This is not your average business podcast, because here we are going to discuss how you hit your goals without losing yourself, your values, or your relationships along the way. We believe in the whole person versus the long-term hustle approach and demonstrating to our children what living a life full of purpose is truly about. We're here for the woman who is an aspiring entrepreneur, developing her personal brand, and staying open to the opportunities that come before her.
2: We're here for the woman yearning to find businesses that align with her, her core being so she can feel in alignment with her life. Come on this journey with us as we navigate this very full season and pursue a life we love. Are you feeling stuck? Are you searching for a greater purpose?
1: Are you craving connection? Perfect. You are in the right place and we're excited to get you one step further than you are today.
2: Today, Amy and I are going to talk to Mike Ganino. Mike is a speaking and storytelling coach that Amy and I were both lucky enough to get to know as part of a mastermind that we are all part of. And Mike really helps people craft and rock their signature talk. He hosts his own podcast called The Mic Drop Moment. And he really helps people get to the core of their story and to share it in a way that really creates change where it's profoundly felt By the impact of their words. And he is just so incredible. Amy and I just knew right away that we wanted to bring him on as an expert to talk about podcasting specifically, how to interview someone on a podcast and how to be a really memorable guest if you're asked to be on a podcast. So Mike, I would love it if you could just take a minute and introduce yourself and just tell us why these topics are so
0: important. You know, what's so interesting to me is that We tend to show up to the world all the time with information, right? I mean, I'm surrounded in my office here by so many books because it's like, I need more information. I need all these books. And so we show up to like podcasts and things like that, thinking that that's what we need to do to be relevant. And I'm just totally obsessed with helping people realize that they don't necessarily need more information to show up. They don't need more information to get on stage. They don't need more information to get to be a great guest on someone's podcast or to ask interesting questions, what we really need to do is reveal more of ourselves and what we've been through. So that's what I do as a public speaking coach. That's, I think in some way, what I've kind of always tried to do. I tried to weave that into a career as a restaurant executive in some way. I used to be a sommelier. So I was like, how can we tell the story of this vineyard in a way that's engaging and relevant? So I think in some way, my life has always been about recognizing that it's not the person with the most information or the most accurate data that wins. It's the person with the best story every single time.
1: That is so interesting. I forgot those twists and turns that were on your journey. And that seems to be a really common theme for the guests that come onto this podcast. They didn't start out as whatever they're doing now. (laughs) They've had a road that has led them to where they are. I've heard you talk before. And so I could not be more excited for this topic because I think that I have a lot to learn. And I know that our listeners also feel that way. So One thing I wanted to start with is when I'm listening to a podcast, sometimes the guest will lose me right away in the beginning. And all he or she is doing is answering the question, tell me a little bit about yourself. So it seems like a lot of times the person, they just don't know where to go and they can even get a little bit lost. And that's the very first question. So Mike, I would love if you told our audience your tips for answering the tricky little question of tell me about yourself.
0: Isn't it funny how you look at yourself and you're like, I'm someone's parent, I'm raising children, I'm keeping them alive, I've made it through this, or I've grown a business, I've grown multiple businesses, and then somebody on a podcast or even at a networking event at a parenting group, I mean, I was with my daughter, she's one years old, and we were at a parent and me thing that we do every week. And, you know, they ask, introduce yourselves. And even me, who I'm a professional and I do this all the time and I teach it. I was like, um, uh, let me see, what would be interesting here? So I think the thing that happens to all of us when we have that existential crisis when we're asked, tell me about yourself, is we have to look at ourselves and say, like, what about me should I tell? Because there is so much, just like you were saying, Amy. That so many of the guests on the show have had so many different interesting parts of their background, whether they worked at Google and now they're working in a therapy business, or whether they're someone who was a sommelier and now they teach public speaking and, and storytelling. The challenge often when we're asked, "Tell me about yourself," is where do I start and what specific part of me do I tell because. We're all far more interesting than just an hour of a podcast or a 20-minute show could do. So we have to ask ourselves, what might be relevant here? So my tip when we are asked that question on a show is it takes a little bit of research, not a lot of research, but just to understand who is in this audience here, who might listen to the show, who is the host trying to attract, and then what is it that I want them to know about me that would help frame our conversation? So, for example, you asked me at the top a question about that. Tell us about yourself. And I went on and I talked about how I was somebody who recognized that storytelling and the person with the most information doesn't always win. But if I was on a different show where I was there to talk about company culture, I wrote a book on company culture several years ago back when I used to speak on that, then I would have to say, how do I find a way to connect storytelling to company culture? It's easy to do because I wrote a whole book on it. But- it wouldn't be relevant for me to say, I'm a, you know, I teach public speaking and I realize the best story wins. I have to find a way to say, how do I frame myself so that the rest of this conversation makes sense? It's the same thing that I think we have to do when we're giving a speech as well. How do I, at the start of the speech, not give them a thesis of what they're about to learn, not tell them what I'm going to tell them and then tell them and then tell them that I told them, but how do I create demand for what comes next? So whenever we're asked that question at the top of a podcast or even a parenting group on a park in Long Beach, like I found myself, I think it's to say, what specific part of me do I need to frame to help them understand what's going to come up in this show? Because I don't think anyone's going to be surprised based on my answer today. That we're probably going to talk about how to introduce yourself on podcasts, and that I'm probably not going to say show up with all your credentials and your degrees and shove that in people's face, but I'm going to say find a story that helps us understand what you're about to teach us in the show. So that's the very first place I think to look is how do I frame what's coming up next so that people say, ooh, this might be for me.
2: That's so helpful. And you know it's just interesting because you might have a few different types of pitches of who you are, depending on the audience. And I think that's so important because I was just thinking back on times when someone's asked me that question and I'll basically go into reading them my resume when it's like, we're at a parent group or like, (laughs) I'm I'm meeting a new friend. Why are you telling me these things? (laughs) And you're right. You just, as Amy said, you just lose them right away. So I love that. It's so simple, but also... It takes away the stiffness of it and just really engages the person that you're talking to. And I think that's one of the things that I love so much about you, Mike, is that you're so engaging to speak with. And you get to be on both sides of the mic. Obviously, we're interviewing you here today, but you also interview people on your podcast. So what are some of the best tips that you have about being a podcast host, including how to ask interesting questions?
0: It's so... Challenging sometimes as a podcast host because you have so many jobs to do. Most of us don't have a separate producer. When you listen to radio, there's a producer who's communicating usually via a computer screen. If you listen to like Howard Stern or you're listening to, you know, Ryan Seacrest on the radio, there's a producer who's giving them stuff. And so they don't have to think necessarily about where are we at? How much longer do we have? Am I staying true to what I promised the guest? they're just in the moment with them. And I think for us who are doing podcasting that don't have the support of, you know, iHeartRadio or something, we're often doing all of those roles. We're in the moment, we're the producers, we're the interviewer, we're the on-air talent. We're doing all of that. And it's easy sometimes to get focused on maybe the questions you wrote down ahead of time. And what that causes is then we kind of get lost in the moment. So if I'm somebody listening to the show while I'm out walking my daughter or while I'm driving in the car to my parenting group in Long Beach, which are both real <laughs> moments for me. I feel a little bit of a disconnect when I'm listening to a show and somebody says something like the host asked them a question and then they answer and they say, and so that was the day I realized my life was never going to be the same again. Now, as someone listening, I'm like, oh my God, what was that day? What happened? I need to know. Often what happens is the host because they're doing those multiple jobs, they just go to the next question on their list and they say, great, well, do you have a banger, banger question that you'd like all people on the air to listen to today? And it's like, wait, what? I want to hear what happened on that day. And so I think that as a host, the ability to stay in the moment with the guest is really important. To be able to kind of sit with them where they are and ask them for more details. A lot of times when we are sharing stories as a guest on a show, we'll give a little bit, just like you do in a normal conversation. We'll give a little bit. And then if the person shows interest, we can go deeper. Maybe we'll summarize an experience we had. So maybe, for example, I would say to the tell me about yourself question, I could say, oh yeah, um, thanks for that question. I'm a public speaking coach who got here because I realized that you know stories are the only way that you can really change the world. Okay. Now, as a host, you could just move on to the first question and say, great, so let's talk about your book and move on. But as an audience member listening, what I want to hear is, well, wait, how did he figure that out? When did that happen? Was there a specific moment where that occurred to him? So it's really thinking, I think, as a host in storytelling. And the big question that I ask myself when I'm hosting the Mic Drop Moment is, When the guest gives me some information, I think, was that clear enough that an audience member could say, oh, I've been in a situation like that? Or, oh, I've seen something like that before. So did they provide specificity in the answer, the guest? Or did they just give me a summary of what happened? If they just gave me a summary, perfect. Now I can ask questions like, well, do you remember the specific moment when you recognized that needed to change? Or- Do you remember what was going through your head in that moment? It provides such great fodder for a show. And often you only need two or three questions written down in order to get through a whole show. And I I think sometimes as hosts, we do what a lot of my public speaking clients do, where they plan, I have 900 questions because I don't want to look bad. I don't want to look like I'm not prepared. But in reality, we don't need that much stuff. We need two or three questions as a host of a show And then we just need to stay in the moment to say, okay, when did that happen? Or when was the first time you saw that? Or how do you see that happening with moms who are starting businesses. It's the job of the host to keep relating it back to the guest. So for example, on the mic drop moment, I've interviewed voice coaches. I interviewed a comedy director who directs comedies for TV. My job was not to get lost having a chat about comedy and the big stars he worked with. My job was to continue to say, oh, that's so interesting how you help people figure out what the punchline is. How do you think that relates to a public speaker? How would they learn from that? Because the audience who's listening doesn't have the benefit of being able to ask that really cool guest the question. And so we have to do it for them. And almost always what the audience is thinking is not, what's the rest of the questions on the host list? They're thinking, ooh, I'm curious more about that. Or how could I use that? Or when did they realize that? Or why does that make sense? And so I really feel minimal amount of questions and then just an insane ability to keep unraveling what your guest said makes for a really, really interesting podcast.
1: I'm like a sponge over here just soaking this in because I think too, I know when I was newer into hosting podcasts, your question set is almost your security blanket. Totally. And you're nervous about the interview you want it to go the best for all parties involved and so you really are focused on getting those questions out and I know in the past I have just moved on to the next question when I listen back I'm like shoot I wish I would have dived deeper into that answer and asked a follow up so now I'm always certain to make sure that there's space for follow ups because I think that can be where the most awesome conversation happens. So, one thing that's really interesting, Mike, is that I'm such a lover of podcasts that I'll listen to interviews and it'll be the same person. So, we all know, you know, if someone writes a book, they're going to go on a speaking tour on podcasts. That's how people get it out in the world now. And what I find is a lot of the hosts are asking the exact same questions. (laughs) And so, as a listener, and as a lover of that author, I'm like, I could I could answer. I know exactly what she's going to say. So what I wanted to ask you from both perspectives, from the host and from the guest, how can you make sure that your questions are different, but also if you're a guest and you are utilizing storytelling, how do you make sure you're not telling the same stories over and over in different places? Because sometimes truly... The guests, even if that wasn't exactly my question, they figure out how to bring that story that they're so used to telling into how to answer that question.
0: Yeah. Do you remember a few years ago when A Star is Born with Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper came out? And there was this really funny meme where clearly Lady Gaga had done some media training and figured out, or whatever she did to kind of figure out her points to talk about. And she was talking about how Bradley Cooper picked her you know, she was an unlikely choice for this movie that was probably going to be epic. And she was an unlikely star for it because she hadn't really done much acting before. And so she said over and over and over, there's on YouTube, I think a mashup of all of them. And she just literally over and over said, there can be a hundred people in the room and 99 don't believe in you, but one person does. And she just said that over and over. Do you remember this? I
1: remember the story, but I don't remember that it was something she said over and over.
0: Oh my gosh. If you Google Lady Gaga, 99 people in a room and go to YouTube, there's probably 30, 40, 50 versions of her. And she did change it a little bit. Sometimes she said there could be 99 people in a room and one person walks in who believes in you and it changes everything. But she said it over and over and over so much so that it became... Hilarious, because there was so much media attention for that show. And one of the things, it's it's so I think this is really interesting to talk about because, when we when we have something coming out and we go to speak about it, we also then share that, right? So I'm going to share this episode with my audience. Well, of course, there's going to be people who are fans of your show who come and find me because of you, but there's going to be people who just listen to me on whatever show I'm on. So if they come here and they're like, oh, it's Mike doing his old regular shtick, they can move on and they don't need to do that. So it hurts me a little bit as a guest of your show. If I just always say the same thing, now I'm not suggesting that I should come on your show and talk about the you know health benefits of deep red wine because it's just not consistent with what I'm doing in the world. It still needs to be on brand and, and how I help the world. But if my teaching points, if my stories are the same every time, I start to lose the attention of my audience who might come and listen to me on this show because – They're going to say, oh, I've heard this before. I don't need this. This isn't helpful to me today. Versus if I come on your show and I'm delivering new, interesting ways to think about something or new stories, then I'm really propelling my expertise, not only for your audience who's meeting me, but for my audience who for the first time is hearing me talk about some of the things I'm sharing on the show today. So it really is a benefit for us to think through, how do I do this? So here's the way I think about it. One is always that introduction. We already talked a little bit about how to, you know, tell me about yourself question. And this is the same, by the way, if you were fundraising, if you were out there trying to grow your business and meeting with anybody, this is the same way you should be thinking about this question. You can use the same framework is that by customizing that a little bit, you can tell a similar story, but then you make it about that audience. For example, often with that question, tell me about yourself, I will talk about, somebody will ask me that and I'll say, you know, I'm a public speaking coach who really early on recognized the power in storytelling. I remember when I was running for high school class president and I was like, the smart kid. So I was the editor of the newspaper. I was the National Honor Society president. I was Spanish club president. I was all of these things. And I thought I was a shoe-in because I was like Elizabeth Warren. I had a plan for everything, how we were going to fix the potholes in the senior parking lot, how we were going to get new locker colors. And I was running against the head cheerleader and the captain of the wrestling team. And I thought for sure I'm going to win because all they talked about when we had our chance to go on our little closed circuit TV show or or radio show at the school, they would just talk about stories of how they were representing the school when they were out at wrestling meets and at football games. And I thought for sure, I had all the information, the best plans, the best details. I was going to win. Now, 23 years later, you probably guessed I didn't win. The cheerleader won, by the way. She did a great job. Thank you, Patrice, for fixing the hole in the parking lot. But what I realized then is that you can't just show up and give information to people and hope that they'll connect with you. And that's the same thing, I think, for people in the audience here today. And then I would find a way to relate it to who I know listens to the show. So if I was talking to a show about, I've been on a lot of restaurant-themed shows, I would then end that story about that part. And then I would say, you know, a lot of restaurants are fighting for talent today. They're really struggling to get people to work with them. And they show up with their job ads and they say, it's a great place to work. We have great benefits. We have nice managers. And it just starts to sound the same as everyone else. So how can you lead with an example or a story that would show them how you work? So that might be there. If I was talking about corporate HR, I do it a different way. If I was talking about entrepreneurs who are starting businesses, I would do it another way. So that's one way, right off the bat, you can differentiate and use the same story, but make the... I call it story and toss. So in the mic drop method, which is my my big kind of academy coaching program, I teach this thing called story and toss. A lot of times when we're on stage or on a podcast, we'll tell our story and then we just end the story and then we go back to the host to ask us a question. We stop talking and they ask another question. But our job in relating to the audience is to always story and toss. Now, if you ever watch the news, you know how the anchor will be in the studio, and then they'll say, like, and now we're going out to Kat at the mall, who's gonna tell us about something. That's called a toss. So on the screen, on the teleprompter, it would say toss to cat. And then I, as the anchor, would know I need to toss it to her wherever she is. When you're on stage or when you're on a podcast, I think we need to do story and toss, which is Tell the little bit of the story and then start weaving in how this is relevant in a very specific way for the audience, or how the way you view the world is very specifically helpful to this audience. So, that's one way that you can use the same story and make it feel really, really interesting to the people who are listening because they say, Ooh, this is for me. How does that relate to what I think? So, that's one way you can use the same story and really make it specific, even if they might have heard something similar before. Now, the other thing here is really thinking about that question of who you are and how you got to where you are, there's lots of versions of how you can share that. So what I say is when you think of tell me about yourself or who are you or what do you do, when you get down to what you believe. So what I believe is that the most willing to reveal themselves, the most willing to share how they feel, communicators, public speakers, podcast guests, and the ones that share stories with us are the ones that really can change the world, then I can say, okay, is there anything, what am I seeing in the media? Did something just happen where I witnessed that? I mean, I found a way to use Lady Gaga today in here. You know, could I use Adele? So maybe you ask me, tell me about yourself. And I'll say... You know, first off, I'm a huge Adele fan, let me say that. And a couple weeks ago, she did this Instagram Live where, you know, she hasn't really been public for a long time. She's coming out with a new album, a new song. And the, the week before that, she did this Instagram Live. And one of the things that I think took the world by storm, again, is that she was just so willing to be herself. She was so willing to share what was going on with her. And then I might, you know, digress into talking about her storytelling and her being honest. And then I would say, and that's what I'm obsessed with in the world. I'm obsessed with helping entrepreneurs, with people that are starting businesses, figure out how to tell their stories in the same way that Adele did. So, again, it's not necessarily a story about me, but it tells you a lot about me. So that's one thing I think we can do that always feels fresh is constantly be looking to the environment to say, where are the places that the way I see the world are showing up, like the Adele video, that I can then use. It feels really fresh, but it's still setting me out as an expert on communication and how we tell our stories, how we be ourselves in the world. And I'm getting to kind of ride on Adele's coattails there a little bit. Does that make sense?
2: Yes, that makes so much sense. And I love that this is a simple formula that you can use the story and toss pulling in relevant media concepts. I can just visualize all of these even political debates that I've watched in the past where you're right. The person who's telling the story wins. Someone could be saying, a stat that's super important. The other person says something similar, but they pull in the emotion, the vulnerability, like a short story about how that's relevant to who they're talking to. And dang, it's always the mic drop (laughs) moment, right? Yeah, (laughs) It's just so interesting from that perspective of understanding how it's crafted. And then thinking about moments that I've watched amazing public speakers just really rock it. And you're like, yes, that is exactly what they're doing. And on the flip side of that, I also feel like half of that equation, maybe not half, but is their stage presence too and their confidence in what they're saying, how they're portraying it. And I feel like I know you have a background in working with Second City and improv and all of these amazing stage events. Do you have any tips for our audience on how they could feel really confident and comfortable in that position being on stage?
0: It's so, you know, there's that study that says, or there was, and it's not even a study. It's really, I'm going to debunk this. Okay. So there's two things, <laughs> two things I'm going to debunk because why not? It's, it's a data rant. So you know how there's that people cite research all the time and they say that thing of like, you know, what you say is only 7% of communication, but the rest of it is your tone and your voice and your body. That study is misinterpreted all the time. So much so that the guy who did the original study has said everyone is misinterpreting this because the reality is, and it sounds nice, right? Oh yeah, 7% is the words you say. That is not true. We take the whole thing We take it as a full message always. We can't separate it from the words we say to the way we say it because I could be here really nicely with open body language telling you like, hey, everyone's about to lose their job and you're all going to have no health insurance and your families are in trouble. You aren't going to care that my body language is open and kind and that my voice is up. You're listening to the words I'm saying and saying, this is a threat to me. Now the cortisol is running through my body. I'm stressed out. I'm fearful. I'm scared. My adrenals are pumping. And so this idea that the words we say don't matter, and it's just how we show up is totally debunked. So it is the full package. The audience, when you're speaking, and whether you're on a podcast, you're on a video, you're on camera, you're on virtual, you're on a real stage, you're, you know, wherever the case is, you're putting on a show at your kid's, you know, parent and me day in the park. The reality is we are constantly taking everything in. And so When we're watching a speaker, we are, of course, listening to the words they say, but we're also, the body doesn't lie. The body doesn't lie. It's why when someone stands behind a podium, we feel something's off. We don't trust them. What are they hiding back there? It's why when we see someone who has rounded shoulders and kind of closed off, we think, what are they hiding from us? It's why when we see these public speakers who just kind of run around the stage yelling at people the whole time, like a fitness coach we feel like, ooh, why are they pushing so hard? We take it all in. We take all those parts in. And so this is why I really believe in storytelling as such a powerful way to communicate what you want when you're on stage. Because if you can get the story in your head, you know how the story goes. You practice telling it a few times. It's not so awkward, by the way. When you rehearse a speech, it's really awkward when you're just Sharing random lines and things, it's not awkward to practice a story. You could practice at all kinds of places with real people to see what lands. You start to learn where to take a pause, where to look at them, where to breathe for a moment, where to speed things up, or where to slow them down. So when you use a story on stage, it's much easier to rehearse. You can learn the nuances and the shape of the story so that when you're up there, your body, your voice, and your message are all saying the same thing because. When we watch someone, we really are not just listening to the words they say, and we're not just watching the way they move. We're connecting with all of it. I do this exercise in my masterclass sessions. This is where I'll be doing an event, and I'll bring someone up on stage, and they're getting like coached live in front of everyone. It's sometimes the most effective way to, to teach these skills. And I'll whisper in their ear, the person on stage, and I'll say, Don't make it obvious, but I want you to just breathe really shallowly, really rapidly, and just into your chest. Okay? Just do that and just stand there for a minute. So we'll do that for 60 seconds, two minutes or something. And then I'll stop them and I'll ask the audience how they're feeling. Almost always, the audience says, I felt anxious, I felt uncomfortable. And it's because the audience was like starting to match the way the person was breathing because they were like, Oh, something's fearful here. They're breathing shallowly. What's going on? Then I whisper in their ear, I want you to breathe really deep into your belly. Give us a full pregnancy belly with that breath. I want to see you Buddha belly breathing and uh, have a smile on your face, a gentle smile, not a creepy smile, and see what happens. The audience immediately feels soothed and calm. So often when we are getting on stage and trying to find stage presence, We spend far more time on a speech worried about our slides and worried about the words that we're going to say correctly. And far too few people worry about the embodiment of that message. And that embodiment, along with the words, is really what your audience hears, not just your words. Because if it was just your words, send me the PDF and I'll read it from home and not have to get on an airplane or not have to show up to your virtual event. But it's the full embodiment that we show up for. And that is where I think we have immense power in helping to change the way people think, change the way they see the world, and share the stories that can really kind of lift them up and also put us in thought leadership land.
2: So let's say I'm about to be on a podcast. Would you suggest, let's say I've got a little bit of nerves. This is one of the first times I'm being interviewed or maybe a first time I'm being interviewed about a topic that's vulnerable to me. Would you suggest doing that breathing exercise? Or is there some little ritual that you're like, that's what you can do to step into embodiment?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So I would say a couple things. One is I almost always do, this is what I love about virtual events these days. I almost always do virtual events and podcast interviews with no shoes on. I have no shoes on right now. And I try to typically stand up if I can, because it kind of helps my energy ground a little bit. I think it often helps most people not kind of relax back into the chair, but stay in an active pose. So I often will stand up if I'm able to, and I almost always do it shoeless so I can connect my feet to the ground and really feel that grounding. Before I go on air, and I do it every time, I mean, I've done hundreds of, I've been a guest on hundreds of shows. I have my own show. I speak for a living. I'm always talking to people. And before I got on this show with you, not because I was nervous, Not because I wasn't sure of what I would say, but because I wanted to make sure that my energy was my own. Because a lot of times, we're busy. We're running from being with the kids. We're running from a call. We're running from a meeting. We're running from whatever the case is to hop on a show, to be interviewed on a podcast. And we bring a lot of other energy with us. And so for me, before I got on this show today, I was sitting in my chair. I put my feet on the ground, my bare feet on the ground. I closed my eyes for a couple moments, kind of found my breath, kind of connected with it. And I thought a little bit about who's in this audience. Who do I know listens to the show? And what can I do to be helpful to them? I didn't worry about impressing the audience. I didn't worry about impressing the two of you. I thought, what can I do to be helpful today? What would be some helpful things I could do for this audience? I put that in my body. And then I just kind of breathed for a moment. The other thing I always do is I think about, earth energy. So my feet are on the ground and I kind of have my eyes closed. And I think, what is the present color of the earth energy? Whatever color comes to mind. So if you close your eyes right now, unless you're driving, don't close your eyes if you're driving. That's very dangerous. But do this when you stop somewhere. Just for a moment, feel your feet on the ground, right? Really connected, almost like cords to the ground. And if they were pulling up through the bottom of your feet, the present color of earth energy that you feel, whatever color you feel is great. For me, I just got like a periwinkle blue. Let that flow like a thick, beautiful liquid through your legs, up through into your hips and let it pour back out of your backside. And let that just kind of cleanse you for a moment. You do the same thing with cosmic energy above you and say, okay, let cosmic energy come into the the crown of my head. Let it flow down into fill my head space, fill my throat space, fill my chest, my heart, fill my stomach, fill my sacral root there a little bit if you're into chakras. Let that flow through and just let those two colors go for a moment as you're breathing. That's often what I will do before a show because I find that it grounds me it helps me remain focused on how can i be helpful to this audience versus worried about am i going to say the right thing do i have the tool they need will i have the right resource you've already got that and you've been invited to the show so at this point focus on how can i be helpful and often the most helpful thing we can do when we've been asked to be a guest and even if you're hosting is to say how can i be helpful what can i do to be helpful today and and that usually ends up giving you a really great performance. And it helps you kind of come from a truthful place instead of worrying about filling the space with presence or charisma or energy. Because if that's not you, then it feels forced. Just like those people I was saying run around stage and they're moving back and forth and they're very loud and they've got big voices and they're just kind of yelling at you. (laughs) People often leave those kind of speakers and are like, okay, it felt good in the moment because my body was stressed, but I'm not changed by them to really change people, just show up in your fullness and try to be helpful?
1: Mike, that answer, I slipped my shoes off. I'm grounded. And it was such a great answer because I have found that when I'm going to jump on a podcast interview, if I don't leave myself any space to transition into doing like a ritual, like you just gave us, Those are some of my worst interviews and I'm fumbling over myself. I'm just not ready mentally and physically to be present in that interview. And I know a lot of people listening, you, I, and Kat, you know, we have full schedules, especially being moms and dads. And so just leaving yourself that five, 10 minutes to ground before you start something can be really what you need. Okay, the next question that I have for you is about giving concise answers. So this is something that we've been working on as we know people move fast these days and you can lose them if you're talking for too long. So I've been coaching Kat on her Instagram stories and she'll do one and it'll be four slides long. So one minute long, 15 second increments. And I'll say, okay, perfect. Do it again for me and make it two. Because oftentimes we can really cut some of the stuff out and give a more concise answer. Do you have tips for us when we are answering these questions on how to focus on being concise while still delivering the
2: best meat?
0: Well, if you listen back to all of my answers so far, I probably am not the person who should be giving this advice. It was funny someone asked me a couple of weeks ago in a in a master class I was teaching. They said, "How long should a story be?" And I said, "Never longer than the audience's willingness to listen to it and never shorter than Making the point and sharing what you need to share. So, I think the challenge sometimes with it is exactly what you were saying, Amy, of not recognizing how much pacing and not pacing as far as how quickly you speak or the rate which you speak, but the pacing of the story. It's like when you put on a movie and you're like, whoa, this is really slow. I'm interested. I want to watch it. But it's like someone do something already these long passages of people talking and you're like, where is this going? Where is it headed? I even feel this way sometimes when I'm reading a book and I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. Let me skip a couple chapters. And then if I get confused, I can go back. But I'm gonna skip a couple, not chapters, but a couple of paragraphs because I get it. I get it. I'm ready to move on. So here's what I think when it comes to doing that for a podcast or for Instagram stories or even in an Instagram reel or something like that. It's really about being clear of where Am I going? Having a really clear destination and almost viewing it like, because sometimes when we're speaking, and this happens a lot when people, when I'm coaching people on stage too, we don't take the most direct path always. We kind of get lost. And then you hear someone like me saying, use stories. And you're like, wow, I can really shape the world and color the world with stories. But even in a story, we have to have a destination, we have to know where we're headed and where we're trying to get the audience to. That also will help you, by the way, think of more stories because you'll be like, okay, I'm trying to get them to this point where they see this. What are the different ways that I can take them there? Kind of like I made up that Adele thing that I said earlier right now on the on the spot. And the Lady Gaga thing, I don't think I've talked about that in two years, but it felt relevant. I was like, ooh, I can use this story to get to the point that I'm trying to make. So when we're doing that, whether it's on an Instagram story or on a podcast, it's saying, where is this headed? And my job is to pick up the content, the audience, and take them to that spot in the most helpful way. Now, that doesn't mean that I should just say, here's the point, get it, because I didn't do my job if I didn't bring the audience with me. So I do still need to use a story. I do still need to craft it. But how can I do that in a way that gets them where they need to go so they don't drop off and kind of get lost? And so that's the big thing for me, is just thinking, where am I dropping them off at and then what is the most effective route to do that?
1: You know, it's really hard is I think, especially for beginners, they just wanted you to give us an answer, Mike, that was okay. No more than five minutes or whatever it is. Yeah. Cause you're like, I just want to know how to do this and I yeah. can do whatever you say and bringing storytelling into this podcast interview. It's so interesting because there's not going to be those clear cut answers that people like, and they feel more comfortable with, but it's really And it's interesting when you're interviewing people too, because sometimes you can hear where they get lost. They're off in the distance and they got lost. And you can almost hear when they're like, wait, how do I land this plane? So do you have any tips for when you feel like you're answering something and you're lost in your own answer on how to bring it back?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm from an Italian family. So we know how to get lost in an answer really, really well. I always joke that like I have uncles who... They'll start a story with, yeah, Carol went to get water. And 45 minutes later, you're like, well, what happened? And they're like, well, she got water. And it's like, what did I just listen to for 45 minutes? So here's the magic words. And if you're driving, don't worry about this. But if you're somewhere, you can write them down, put them down, put it in your phone, put it on a Post-it note. And every time you're going on a podcast, have it in front of you because these are the magic words you can say when you get lost. I think what I'm trying to say is dot, dot, dot. If you find yourself in a story and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't even know how to get out of this story because this is so far from where I was going, then just take a pause and say, you know, ultimately what I think I'm trying to say is this or where I'm going with this is here. And a lot of times that'll save the day and it'll clarify, even if you're lost, and you're like, I don't know what the heck I am talking about. This is my first time being a podcast guest. They asked me a question and now I'm over here talking about a time that I was listening to Taylor Swift in the forest and I have no idea what they even asked me. Saying to yourself, saying out loud, I think what I'm trying to say is dot, 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 you almost always can find your way back to the point pretty quickly, and then you can move on. And nobody's going to be like, wait a second, what was that story about? They'll just catch up with you. They'll be like, oh, I get it. I get what she meant.
2: I'm cracking up at this because as someone who just recently had a baby and now I'm very sleep deprived because that baby's waking up every two hours. I can tell you so many times throughout the week where I have to use that exact line because I'm just going on a tangent that I'm like, what am I even talking about anymore? <laughs> so that's super helpful for any moms that are in the audience who I'm sure have had that brain fog that I'm talking about. But obviously also it can happen on stage. It could happen on a podcast interview. It just happens sometimes. So I love that really tangible tip. And for so many of our listeners too, as Amy said, they're newer to this, just getting started. They wanted that prescriptive formula for you. And I love that it wasn't prescriptive in terms of story length. But also, I mean, we've been talking so much about stories and this seems like an obvious question, but how does someone actually extract what their story is? If they're like, I am so into this. I know I want to get on a podcast. I know I want to be share this piece of me. How do they pull out? What is the actual story behind it? So it doesn't just feel like it's all facts or reading a resume or whatever that is.
0: Yeah, the big thing there that that I always say, because it is so hard because we're kind of in it often, there isn't, I, I think sometimes we look at it and we say we want it to be a book where there's, here's the story and it has started and it has ended. And the issue often is that we're kind of always in the middle of the story. And so sometimes being able to look at it and say, what is the story here is difficult. One of the big things I think when you're headed out and you're gonna go on podcasts or you've been asked by someone to be on one, the clear place, I think, to look is to say, what is it that I believe? What do I think about this? How do I see the world? Because ultimately, whether you're talking about yourself, whether you're talking about your business, whether you're talking about a new program you're launching, whether you're talking about a new initiative, if you can find how you see the world, you then can, can really look at anything like I did with the Adele story or the Lady Gaga story and say, oh, I can relate that to something I'm going through. So the first place to start is really, how do I see the world in relation to this thing? For me, that answer is that when we are in our most authentic self, which to me means authority over self, meaning I'm owning my ideas and how I see the world and my story, and when we show up being willing to reveal our story, that's when we have the most power to change the world. That's how I see everything. So I would look at it and say, okay, that's my perspective on the world. We need more of that. And so if I'm being asked to tell about myself, I want to share something that makes sure that it makes that point of how I see the world. If I'm being asked what I think is going on in the restaurant industry, then I want to make sure that I'm doing it in a way that is through the lens of how I see the world. Because that's ultimately what they're going to get when they work with me. If somebody from here follows me on Instagram or joins my email list or something, that's what they're getting. So that's the first place to start. And then I think there's a couple of um, questions specifically around the tell me about yourself that you can look at in advance. One of them is, what qualities about you make you want to share something with this audience or give you Give you the right – I struggle with give you the right because – but I can't think of something else to say. They give you the right to influence this audience. What have you been through that can be helpful to them? What is the evidence behind that? So if you were going to court and saying, here's the evidence of why I can be helpful, what are the specific instances that you could point to? There's probably really interesting stories there. Maybe it's where you ran for high school president or a time that you were selling wine and you started using storytelling to sell more expensive wine or a time you you know got a job that you really wanted because you were willing to share who you were, whatever the case is. What is it about you that specifically makes you helpful in this case? You can ask yourselves what qualities, what... Qualities about you make this contribution really valuable. So is it that you approach entrepreneurship with compassion, with humor, with diplomacy, with honesty? And if that's the case, can you think of some times when that actually happened? When you were faced with maybe not being compassionate and you chose the compassionate route, that's probably a story that would be really interesting. And it would tell the audience a lot more about who you are than simply reading your resume to them. So, you're looking for the evidence of those things you would say. A lot of times, you could see this maybe in someone's bios, or maybe if you have an about page, if you've already got a business started, or just how you would want someone to introduce you. And you say, Well, I want them to say that this person is inspiring, this person is exciting, this person is kind, they value customer service. Look at all of those things that you would say are your values, or maybe even start there, make a list of what are your values. And then say, when is an example of that value actually happening? Because at the top of a show, when someone says, tell me about yourself or in a networking meeting or a parenting group, what they're really asking is not, tell me the history of from birth to today, how you arrived here. What they're saying is, tell me something about you that I can relate to and that I can understand who I'm about to have a conversation with. And so I find that starting in that way, with maybe look at your values, maybe look at how you view the world, and then say, what are some specific instances where that has been true? And let me tell that story when I'm asked about myself.
2: That makes so much sense. We are all about core values at our company. It's something that we defined right away when we started this business. And it's something that we really try to embody every day. And if you're unclear what your values are, we actually have an exercise on our website, pursuingherpurpose.com. But that is the perfect way to start because that is exactly how you show up in the world. It's what you want to be known for. It's how you want to really dictate how you live your life. So I love that you even gave that as a piece of advice. So I know our listeners are going to want connect with you, Mike, because you have so much wisdom and knowledge in this space. And a lot of people are really getting into this space where whether they want to speak on stage or they want to be on a podcast or start a podcast. So where can everyone find you?
0: Yeah, it's super easy. Once you figure out how to spell Ganino, which is G A. N-I-N-O. If you Google Mike Ganino, I am the one who shows up. It's the great like SEO of a name like that. And then actually, based on like what I was just sharing about those prompts that you might ask yourself, I have a whole free storytelling guide. It actually goes perfectly with the values guide that you all have on your website. You can print them both out and really just do this all in a weekend. It's at MikeGanino.com slash StoryCraft. It's about the five stories you need to be able to tell and... It's loaded with a ton of prompts that will trigger you to think of how do I put these together and then some frameworks and things like that. So it would be actually a really fun event for you to do for yourself, your own little workshop if you're out there to grab the values guide and then to use my guide and put them together and you'll be like ready to go on any podcast with those two things. I am so excited. I'm
1: going to check that out myself. Mike, I also ran for student body president. And I (laughs) thought the most important thing was that my signage and my graphics were better than everyone else's. (laughs) So we have come a long way, but I think really people that are listening might still have that lens of if I just had better graphics, if I just had better whatever it is. And really today you opened up the idea that it really might be we need better storytelling. To connect with people so thank you so much for coming on if you guys enjoyed this episode please share it on instagram and take both of our accounts